0: Take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter number 5. While you're turning to Luke 5, I just wanted to mention to you, and I'll be very brief in what I'll say, but Wednesday evening we spoke about, uh, mentioned that um, that we were getting a new stove, and oven unit, double oven unit. As a matter of fact, out in the uh, fellowship hall, that was a gas unit. I mean, it was a very nice gas unit, but the installers, and they did install it, uh, said that we had to have a commercial um, exhaust uh, system and that was going to cost us anywhere from four to five times the amount of the unit itself and so we've had to back up and punt and regroup we'll go a different route but we'll try to get a stove uh, or two stoves whatever the need is we'll try to put something nice out there but it was going to cost upwards to twenty to twenty five thousand dollars for that type of a unit exhaust system and uh um, Unless Warren Chapman wanted to come up off his pocketbook, we just can't afford that, amen? But really, it's just not its not prudent, and so we wanted to do what we could there, but we're just limiting what we can do, and so uh, we'll do something else, and it will be nice, and so you ladies will have that before we get to the missions conference, the Lord willing. Luke chapter number five, we're still looking uh, through the life of Christ, still following his life. you find verse number 12, would you stand with us, please? We'll read down through verse number 16. We'll honor the Word of God by standing for for the reading of today's text. You'll find the companion text to this text where Jesus heals a man full of leprosy in uh, Matthew chapter number 8, verses 2 through 4, and Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. Here's Luke's account of it Luke five twelve to sixteen. And it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold a man full of leprosy who seeing Jesus fell on his face, and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he charged him to tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing, according as Moses commanded, for a testimony unto them. But so much the more uh, went their fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Jesus heals a man full of leprosy. This is Luke number 33 into the life of Christ. And we're still in the first year of the ministry of Christ, and we're nearing the end of events recorded in the first year of his ministry. Where we are between the year uh, 2023 and 2024, moving toward 2024, where we are in the life of Christ is A.D. 27, moving toward... A.D. 28, from Passover to Passover, according to the Jewish calendar. We won't go back to a lot of review, but we have been with Luke. Uh, Luke wrote, according to his greeting in the gospel according to Luke, to set things in order. He wrote to Theophilus. In other words, uh, Luke is a historian. He's a medical doctor, but he's a historian. He gives us the data. He gives us facts. He stacks them behind each other as they would unveil themselves. So he writes to set things in their proper place. You remember we were in Luke chapter number 4. Luke told us about when uh, the Lord was in the synagogue at Nazareth. He revealed himself from a text in Isaiah. He revealed himself to be the Son of God. And the people he had been to that synagogue with all his life rejected him. And so he leaves Nazareth and he goes to Capernaum. And you remember when the Sabbath came as he relocates now to Capernaum, and that will be his home base until he is crucified. Uh, You remember that um, he healed a man of an unclean spirit as he preached that day in the synagogue. He went home to Simon Peter's house. Most most believe that actually was his home base, uh, was he lived in Simon's house. But you remember Simon's mother-in-law when they got there for rest and refreshment and food and a meal. You remember Simon's mother-in-law was taken with a great fever and healed her. Later on that evening, according to one of the synoptic writers, there was a great multitude came to the front door of Simon Peter and they lined up. And every one of them that was diseased or need healing or delivering from an unclean spirit, he healed every one of them. He got a night's rest, and early the next morning, he stole away, he got away, if you will, and he began to pray. And then throughout Galilee, the region of Galilee, he began to preach in their synagogues. Then we looked at uh, Simon Peter's fishing encounter with the Lord Jesus. That was from Luke 5, 1 through 11. And now this account is right on the heels of every bit of that. Some of the other writers will fill in some of the blanks along the way that perhaps Luke doesn't give us. But we're following his chronological uh, laying out or giving to us of the events of Christ. I'm interested in, in in this passage in verse number twelve. There's the leprous man in our text. In verse number thirteen, there are the movements of our Lord in the text. Then in thirteen to sixteen, there are uh, there's the miracle performed in the text. He is still in the miracle working business. The great miracle we witness quite often we witnessed last Sunday, the saving of a soul, and we rejoice in that. Consider with me in verse number 12, the leprous man in our text. Verse number 12, and it came to pass when he was in a certain city. It might be interesting to you to go through the book of Luke. He likes that word certain. He draws you into a certain city as he does here, a certain village, a certain man, a certain blind man, a certain woman. Uh, the word certain, he repeats himself, draws you into certain places and to certain people throughout his writing. You can take a highlighter and highlight the word certain throughout the book of Luke, and it would do for a series of Sunday school lessons. And it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy who, seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. There's the attention given to this man in the Bible. All three of the synoptic writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three of them write of this account. Synoptic, made up of two compounds, sin, which is together, and optic, which means to see. They see together. They may give us different details, but they see much of the same things. They record much of the same events in their gospel accounts. Matthew and Mark merely called this man a leper. But Luke, the beloved physicians, he, he writes in verse number 12, behold a man full of leprosy. He's consumed with leprosy. Leprosy's got the upper hand on him. Leprosy has, uh, has taken over. He's covered with leprosy. There would have been a foulness about this man. There would have been a stench about him. There would have been a rottenness about his flesh that come along with leprosy. When a man would begin to, Uh, leprosy began to set up in his body, he would lose the feeling in his nerves. And in his extremities, he would lose feeling. And oftentimes, as he would go to sleep at night, rats would nibble or eat on his ears or his nose or his fingers. Eventually, his fingers would rot and fall off. Oftentimes, a man would be uh, found to have leprosy, and uh, he would live another 20 to 30 years of life Um, Dr. Paul Brand called leprosy, which he believed to be Hansen's disease, that we are aware of in our modern-day society, uh, as a painless hell. Some men have realized after being exposed to lepers that they had leprosy when they would hit their hand with a hammer and felt nothing. Some have dropped items on their feet or stumbled and fell and knew there should have been pain in the legs or the knees or the hands where they would catch themselves on pavement, but there would be no feeling. And it would dawn on them, perhaps I too now have uh, leprosy. So this attention given to this man in the Bible, all three synoptic writers, found it important as the Holy Spirit impressed upon them to give their account of this leprous man coming to Christ and Christ healing him and cleansing him of his leprosy. You know as well as I that in the Word of God, leprosy is a picture of sin. The Levitical law regarding the leper is found in two chapters in the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter number thirteen. If a man suspected he had leprosy, he had to present himself to the priest and he would shut him up behind a door for seven days. then on the eighth day, he would examine him, and there were some criteria you had to be met to be pronounced clean. If he still live, it was still that he was under suspicion of leprosy, he'd shut him up another eight days. If he was found to have leprosy, he would, uh, he would have to hold a cloth above his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. If indeed it was not leprosy, of course, there was an eight-day ritual that would be gone through, and that's recorded in Luke chapter 14. And the man would be set free back to his family. But if a man had leprosy, he would be exiled uh, either to himself or usually it would be with two or three or a colony of lepers and he would spend out his days uh, living a life like that. But leprosy in the Bible is a picture of sin. Someone that had leprosy, according to Leviticus chapter number 13, was considered to be unclean. According to Leviticus 13 in verse number 3, Leprosy would go deeper than just the skin. And, of course, it's that way with sin. Sin affects the whole man. Leviticus 13, verses 7 and 8, lets us know that leprosy would spread. It was a gradual thing, but it would ultimately spread until it took the man or the woman's life. So it is with sin. Sin will solicit. Sin will tempt. Sin will entice Sin will sin will encourage you. Sin will consume you. It will consume the mind. It will consume the body. It will consume the manners of a man. It will consume your whole existence if Christ is not there to help and someone help along the way. I think it's worth repeating. Someone has said long ago that sin will take you farther than you want to go, charge you more than you want to pay, and keep you longer than you intended to stay. According to Leviticus 13, verses 44 and 45, that leprosy defiled a man. In other words, he was considered ruined. And of course, that's that way with sin. Sin can ruin a life. We all know people that gave themselves to sin. We know some that we went to high school back with so many years ago that went to the party and never came home. you understand what I'm saying. They're still trying to live that lifestyle. It has consumed them. It has ruined them. Sin can ruin your family. Sin can ruin your child's life. Sin could ruin this church. Sin can ruin your mind. Sin has ruined our society. I said Wednesday evening, I don't say it again. The United States of America is a modern-day Sodom and Gomorrah anymore. It's not just that they're trying to sell sex anymore. It is perversion. It's absolute rank perversion anymore. It's as though our nation and our nation's leaders are shaking their very fist in the face of a thrice holy God. I say what's been stated so many times, God made Adam and he made Eve. He did not make Adam and Steve. He did not make 72 different types of genders as our government recognizes, but he made two genders. He made a man and he made a woman. He made a man with a desire for a woman and a woman with a desire for a man. But our country has perverted that, butchering one another and putting up scenes on the Internet and TV screens and movie screens in order to twist and warp the mind. Be careful what you look at. You can't unsee it. Be careful what you listen to. You cannot unhear it. Be careful what you participate in. You can get forgiveness and restoration, but it's back there in the back of your mind. Say what you will but it's still there. Sometimes we hear, an our day is an excuse. Well, that's in the past. It's in the past, but you'll take it with you to the graveyard. You'll take it to your burial plot. You remember in the Old Testament that Rahab was a harlot. She was in the business of harlotry. You remember that. You remember uh, she's saved. I believe she's saved when we meet her in Joshua chapter number 2. God has changed her life. And, of course, she's going to marry a... Jewish man, and God has great plans for this forgiven lady. But you know, in the New Testament, she's still referred to as Rahab the harlot. Be careful where you go, young people. Be careful what you do. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you participate in, because it's all a matter of record. You know, and I pastored away from here for a few years. I was privileged to come back to Ponatot, Union County, and Lee County, and Monroe County and preach a fair bit. Do you know when I'd come back to Pontotoc County, I'd always look around. You know why? There were people that I ran around with at 14 years old. We'd leave the skating rink on Friday night and Saturday night and run all over Pontotoc County, do things a child should not have been doing. I was 15 and 16 and 17 years old, and I'd look around because there was something in me, it's called the conscience, that wouldn't let that die. It was still... Uh, quite raw to me. It was very real to me. Now, I tell you, if you don't want to wound your conscience, you be able to, and be able to lay down sleep at night. You stay as far away from the solicitation of sin as you can stay. Some people have gone so far, they've crossed the line and God has given them over to a reprobate mind. Can God reprobate? According to Romans one, he does reprobate. There are those Now I don't know when a man's reprobated, But God knows when he's gone too far. Sometimes we hear somebody testify in the service and they'll say something like this. Before I was saved, I was a reprobate. Actually, you were not if you're saved. To be reprobate is to be disqualified. Now, I don't know where the line is, but there's a line. Just as sure over in the saved world, there's a sin unto death. You can cross the line get into sin, do just whatever a lost person does and become hardened and stiff-necked toward God, Solomon would write in Proverbs 29. So it is that over in the lost world, you can cross a line. When you cross a line as a saved person, go too far, God takes you out of this world. If you haven't listened to the still, small voice of the good, sweet Holy Spirit of God and you haven't taken heed to warnings in your life, God will take you out of this walk of life. And John wrote that if you see a man sin, a sin unto death, that's for a saved person. He said, don't even pray for it. I may have seen that a time or two in my life where a man had no room for the church, had no room for the preacher. He'd have me or some other preacher for Sunday lunch, every Sunday, Uh, Sunday supper and Wednesday night uh, meal and throughout the community, hang out at the the store nearby and could find everything wrong with everybody down at the church until... There was a diagnosis, and then he dust his Bible off. And tell God, now, God, if you'll spare me this time, I'll give my life to you, but it's too late. When he sends the sin unto death, God has the prerogative to take him out when he wants to, but when he crosses that line, and God turns him over to a reprobate mind, then he's crossed the line, and I wouldn't want to do that. God's dealing with your heart about a matter in your life. You are to thank God your heart's still tender enough to be sensitive to that. You are to thank God he's still dealing with you. That's the grace of God in itself, that God would still deal with your heart. You say, Preacher, tell me what it is. I don't have to. If the Spirit of God resides within, you know what it is in your life. And if you can go on sinning and it doesn't bother you, then, friend, the Holy Spirit does not live within your heart. But now, leprosy is a picture of sin to get back where we are in our message. In Leviticus 13, verses 45 and 46... A leper lived a life of humiliation and separation. A leper literally became an outcast, ostracized and forgotten about by society. Of course, leprosy being contagious and highly contagious, believed to be, uh, man did not want anything to do with a leper, to touch the leper, lay hands on a leper for fear of contracting leprosy themselves. So that made a leper reduced to poverty and he would become a beggar. He had no way to support himself. Whatever trade he had learned from his father growing up in the home, he can't practice that trade. No one wants a piece of furniture or a bench or a door. No one wants handles for their farm animals made and handled by a leper. Sometimes sometimes the family would leave food in different places so that the leper would know every other day or so, every few days, that at least they could visit the place every day and perhaps find a bit of food that they could eat. Most lepers were, uh, would have been a, uh, maybe we'd say it something like this, skin and bones because they could not fend for themselves. Is that not a picture of sin? Sin takes, sin robs, sin molests, sin damages, sin divides, sin insults. Sin is haughty. It is against God. Uh, sin is against decency. It was sin that made Uriah a martyr. It was sin that made Bathsheba a mother. It was sin that made David a man after God's own heart, a murderer. Sin is the author of every broken home. It is the author of every broken heart. Sin is the author of every broken life. Sin is behind every thorn upon every rosebush on planet earth. Sin was behind the crown of thorns, plaited and beaten into the brow of our blessed Lord. Sin is divisive. Sin is destructive. Sin is diabolical. Sin is dangerous. Sin destroys. Lepers were looked upon as dead people. They would eventually become dead to their own families because the family could not have contact with it. What a miserable existence that would be. They were dead to society. Uh, As a matter of fact, during the Middle Ages, during the medieval period, if someone became a leper, the priest would often bring them into the cathedral and they would pronounce uh, burial rites, funeral rites, death rites upon them then send them on their way. And they would be exiled because they knew it's just a matter of time. Would it be two or three decades later? It's just a matter of time. They were going to die a slow, lonely dead. The clothing of lepers once they died or if they were left behind, if they were found by the priest indeed to be leprous The clothing was fit only for the fire. May I remind us all this morning, there is a hell to shun and there's a heaven to gain. The Lord Jesus Christ is the difference between the two. John would write in 1 John that uh, part of the reason for the book of, uh, for the epistle of 1 John was that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And I'm grateful for that. As a matter of fact, that order calls us to get on our face and be thankful. We know that we love him if we keep his commandments. You say, but preacher, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And while I'm dealing with sin, let me just say that it's not a license for you to practice lasciviousness. That's not a license for you to practice sin. That's not a license for you to, for you to practice some lifestyle, some habit, some habitual life of sin and use it as an excuse to say that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's not an excuse at all. John taught us that that we know that we're saved and we keep his commandments. That is our attitude towards sin as we try to stay away from it. I remember whenever I was uh, about five years old living with my grandmother, my mamaw. Uh, We were living where my mother-in-law is living now in the old house, my grandmother's old house. I did not know what an old butane propane Peter, uh, 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 heater was. I didn't know what that was. I did not know that that it was hot. Uh, the military uh, apartments we lived in, Whenever I before my mom left my dad, they were those old radiator heaters. And I can see them, just sketches of them in my mind. But I was going for some peanut butter and crackers uh, one night. I got up in the night and thought I knew where the peanut butter and the crackers weren't, so I was going to climb up on the countertop and going to get some peanut butter, and, and I never will forget it. I put my foot on top of that little heater, open-flamed heater, and it stuck to the heater. Of course, my mother and my grandmother come and pulled me off of that, and I suffered with that probably a, probably 10 days to 14 days. Something. I remember that. I, it was excruciating pain. And I'm going to tell you, I avoided heaters. I avoid heaters to this day, I guess because of it, and very cautious around it. When the grandbabies get around our wall heaters, I'm... The first one to stop them, say something to them, and I repeat it, try to drill it in their head. Uh, daddy, you can't tell your girls and your boys too many times that sin is dangerous. You can't tell your boys too many times. Matter of fact, you're to be a daddy in their lives if you live to be ninety-nine, and they live to be seventy-five before they say goodbye to you at the end of the journey. You keep telling them that sin is sin and is an offense before God and it will cost you. There is the grace of God where we find forgiveness of sin. Then there's the government of God where we reap what we sow. And let me say, you sow to the spirit today, dear heart. Don't sow to the flesh. You sow to the spirit. You'll never go wrong doing right by God. The clothing of the leper was good for only for the fire. And I'm going to tell you, there are a lot of sins in our day. Who would have thought we would have seen Things named in our day. Things out flaunted in front of us all in our day. Like they are flaunted today. Language. As a matter of fact, the name Jesus Christ is almost used as a profane word anymore. His word, His name is to be, it's not some flunky title. It's not some slang language. At that name, at the name of Jesus Christ, one day every knee is going to bow. And every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory uh, of the Father. And so you be careful even how you say, if you hit your finger with a hammer, don't say, well, Jesus Christ or something along that line. We've got to the place where we're so desensitized. Sin doesn't bother us, whether it is spoken sin or it is an act of sin out before us. It's a picture of leprosy. Leprosy is a picture of sin uh, in the Bible. There's the attention given to this leprous man in the scripture. Notice this leper's approach to the Lord Jesus in scripture. Verse number 12, the Bible says, And it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me, thou canst make me clean. Uh, Lepers were considered, of course, ceremonially unclean. You didn't have to preach a sermon to this old boy. He knew he was a leper. As a matter of fact, he had to announce his presence when anybody was around. Or when he pro- approached some populace of people, he had to announce himself unclean, unclean, and had to even cover up his breath. He had to take a cloth above his upper lip and cry out unclean, unclean. So you didn't have to preach him a sermon. The Levitical uh, law uh, uh, required that he announce himself Stating twice and saying with a loud voice, unclean, unclean, they were to identify themselves. And then at that, they were to stand at a distance. And if they were upwind from a group of people, they were to stand even at a greater distance uh, from those people. Now, the Bible doesn't say in any of the three records of this account that he did any of this. We just assume he did because it was common practice and it was expected of a leper to do so in society. They also were considered community outcasts. In Leviticus thirteen 11, you'll find the old Levite law regarding that. We're convinced that this man approached and cried out unto Christ. Probably the crowd would have split and backed off. They probably would have been aghast. After all, he's full of leprosy. He doesn't have a spot or two that can be hidden with a garment. It's obvious this man uh, is a leper. There's the attention given to this man in Scripture The approach of this man to the Lord Jesus in Scripture. And then there's the leper's appeal to the Lord Jesus here in this passage. Verse number 12, again, the Bible says, "...and it came to pass, when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who, seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean." Here we see his posture. He falls on his face before Christ. There he lies, prostrate before the Lord. Luke records it as such. He says, Behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face. What humility, what brokenness, how lowly he approaches the Lord of glory. As he makes his appeal to Christ, he comes with no demands. He has no egotistical air about him. Uh, He has no entitlement um, air about him either. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, leprosy has left him destitute and he's staring death in the face. Uh, It's left him a beggar, reduced him to a beggar. There's his posture, he falls on his face before Christ. You notice his petition is pointed out in Scripture. The Bible says, Behold, a man full of leprosy who, seeing Jesus, fell on his face, the Bible says, and besought him. This man has long ago come to the end of himself. He has nothing to prove. He cannot defend his position. He knows that he's destitute, and his only hope is in the Son of God himself. And so here he comes before the Lord, falls on his face, finding correct posture before the Lord, knowing that he's absolutely nothing and has no future. In this life, outside the Lord's touching his life, Mode old friend, an elder pastor up in, just up from Huntsville, Tennessee, at Pleasant Hill Baptist Church, up uh, over the Tennessee line, I love what he says. I quote him from time to time here. He says, Jesus is a whosoever will God for a whatsoever need. Now, of course, that doesn't make, it, make him some uh, little flimsy uh, genie in a bottle type of a whimsical uh, God, of course. Uh, but I'm glad whatever the need is, uh, he can meet that need. Now, he may not change your circumstances, but he can change you. He can change you and give you strength and grace He can put his truth in your inward parts, and he can cause you to march on in the face of adversity. He is a whosoever will God uh, for whatsoever need. There's his posture, his petition, and his plea. He besought him, saying in verse 12, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Now, this leper has no doubt in Christ's power. He does not say, Lord, if you can, perhaps you could make me clean. That's not what he said at all. He has no doubt in the power of Christ. But his words are, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And so he he doesn't know Christ's will. He's assured of his power. He knows what he can do. Perhaps word has reached him already of what he did at the front door of Simon's house and what he's done for those uh, uh, that were uh, possessed with unclean spirits. And And when he lays his eyes on Jesus, he thinks, I've got to get to him. Hey, if he's helped those others, perhaps there's hope for my life too. I remember Brother Milby preaching so long ago about uh, about a meeting in a rather large church and said there were people being saved around the altar. He said he looked over to his right and kind of behind three or four uh, different levels of people back there and said little Indian girl was back there, was on her knees and was crying. And every now and then she'd look up toward the front. He felt so drawn toward her and said he walked over and he said, honey, can I help you? And she said, well, said, uh, said, I was just wondering if when the, when the Lord finished saving the other people he's saving in the altar, maybe, maybe he might would want to save me. And he said, thank God. He said he can save you right now, right here, dear, uh, dear girl. And said she was saved by the grace of God. Uh, the, the Lord, uh, the Lord, uh, uh, regarding his touching a life. You say, preacher, I'm broken. You don't know my past. You just the fellow the Lord's looking for. He's not looking for the high and mighty. He's not looking for the righteous today. He's looking for those that are well aware of their need for Christ. And we know it's not the Lord's will that he heal everybody, right? But in the midst of that, we still reverence him. If he chooses it, I go in sickness. Matter of fact, I told, I told someone in the front this morning, I think I've caught Brian Ard. I told Brian this morning, I think I've caught every bug that's come through the state of Mississippi this year. Thursday was a blur to me and about all day Friday too. I ain't said anything till I got here this morning to two or three of you. I think every time a bug comes through, it bites me uh, this year. It's been one of those years. It's just it's just been that way. But if God were to choose and allow me to be sick to his honor and his glory, I still reverence him. I still praise him. I still thank him. I thank him for his kindnesses and tender mercies. For 56, nearly 57 years, I thank him for his matchless grace in rescuing me where I was. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful. Jesus can save. And he did that in my life. And so I praise him. We bow to whatever his choice is for our lives, whether we go out peacefully in our sleep one night at a ripe old age or God takes us in our middle 50s or wherever he would take us. I think about Brother J.W. Owen right now. I've shared this with you. It's been a few years back. I was in Tuflo Hospital making some rounds and was going down the second floor, I was going down the hall and was going to make my way down to the stairs and then to the lobby and to my truck and home. And, and I saw Brother J.W.'s daughter, Marilyn. And, and I said, Marilyn, who have you got over here? She said, you haven't heard. I said, Danny. Said, Danny's over here. I said he's having something with his heart and they're fixing to rush him down to the heart cath lab. I said, what room? She told me. And I run around there. He was just as at peace as he could be. And I said, brother J. Marilyn told me, he said, son, he said, I want you to pray with me, but I won't tell you right now. I'm a winner either way. He said, if God's thing take me home, I've got a home to go to. If he leaves me here, he's got something for me to do. And he said, son, I'm a winner either way. I was talking to brother Dustin Kindler, uh, Friday, you know, how he had to have emergency surgery for his cancer. And he said, a major ordeal kind of a surgery. And I was talking to him and I said, Brother Dustin, after we talked for a moment or two, I said, Brother Dustin, I said, how are you doing? He said, Brother, you have taught us from the pulpit to rest in Christ. And he said, I am resting in Christ. He said, the way I look at this, God knew about this before he ever created the first man. And if he's okay with it, I'm okay with it. And he said, Pastor, I am resting in Christ. I've got peace about it. Whatever he chooses to do with me is his business. And he said, I rest in Christ. I don't tell you about how to come apart. That's where I want all of us to get to. If you get to that place in life, it'll make a difference. When death may be knocking on your door or something major going on in your life. Now listen to me. About every time I pray, I'm praying for God, if it be his will to heal somebody. But God doesn't heal everybody. God doesn't see to it everybody's healed. It's not his will that everybody is healed. A few messages back we talked about that and labored that. Gaius and Paul and others that had infirmities that they lived with. God got the glory from their lives. There's the leprous man in our text. Secondly, hurriedly, in verse number 13, notice the movements of our Lord in the text. Notice with me verse number 13. And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean and immediately... The leprosy departed from him, and Christ is moved. He's moved toward this man. Aren't you glad that we can, that Christ can be moved toward a sinner, can be moved toward those that are sick and those that are feeble? That Christ can enable us in our weak moments of life. He's moved as he listens to this man. He's moved as he looks upon him. He's moved as he receives this man into his presence. He's moved as he touches this man. He's moved as he heals this man. He's moved with compassion. Only Mark records in his account of this where Christ is moved with compassion. Listen to what Mark wrote in Mark 1, 41. This is beautiful. That the God of glory has compassion. We get so high and mighty, sometimes somebody will pass us by, and we think, man, he don't deserve my time. But my goodness, Jesus Christ, the Lord himself, second person of the Godhead, is moved with compassion. The majority of these people didn't know this man by name, but Jesus knew him by name. He knew he was. He he knew how long he'd been in that state. He knew all about him. And listen to what Mark wrote about it. The Bible says, And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. Only Mark records the Lord's compassion. It's not that Matthew didn't have it in mind and Luke didn't have it in mind, but only Mark records it. His compassion is his his emotional response. He cares. When Jesus walked up into Bethany after Lazarus had been in the tomb some four days and he wept. There's at least five or six reasons why I believe he wept. I believe he wept to show us his humanity, among other things, but I believe he wept because his heart was touched for his friends. After all, he was a man. He'd been in the home of Mary and Martha. He saw their brokenness. He wept because of the unbelief of the Jews. He wept because of the penalty of sin. He wept. He is he is a compassionate Savior. A compassionate, the compassion of Christ is seen in his kindnesses to you and to me. Does Jesus care? Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares for me, wrote Frank Graff after a period of despair. Simon Peter would write, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Sometimes we tell people just leave all your troubles out there when you come to church. Leave them outside before you come in. I say bring them in with you. Bring them on in here with you. Come in here looking to cast them on him. Just as sure as that colt that had never been ridden. When Peter and John went and secured the coat and brought him, and before Jesus got upon him, they threw their coats, they threw their garments, they threw their blankets upon that little coat, knowing that it could carry the load of those garments and carry the Son of God too. When you throw, when you cast all your care on him, not somebody, bring every bit of it. You can rest assured he can bear it all. Dr. Weigel, I refer to him uh, quite often. When left to an empty house, alone and broken. Pinned the words, only a few of the words to that song, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. <laughs> but the Lord of glory cares today. I marvel that he cares. I'm overwhelmed that he cares. I'm happy about it. I'm glad that he cares. He cares for all of us today, you know. That son that you may have given up on, he cares. That girl, that grandchild, that husband, that wife, your supervisor on the job, that old boy you've witnessed to before, don't give up on him. You keep witnessing to them. We should praise him today for his kindnesses and his tender mercies. I thought about the verses. I'll just read them in a hurry and move on. But Lamentations 3, 21 to 25, this I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. To the soul that seeketh him. Jesus is moved with compassion. For this man, he is moved to touch this man. This is a miracle in itself. Verse number 13, and he put forth his hand and touched him. touched him. To be touched by Christ is to be touched by the Father. To be touched by Christ is to be touched by the Son. To be touched by Christ is to be touched by the Spirit of God. To be touched by Christ is to be touched by God himself touch on this man's life will prove to be life-changing our Lord touches the untouchable The Bible says he touched him how unlike the priest of his day that had a batting average to keep up they did not want to make themselves ceremonially unclean nor did they want to physically expose themselves to leprosy themselves Christ no reservation no hesitation at all he touches this broken leper, one of our missionaries. I was thinking about the, the bulletins. Brother Chris mentioned them, and I mentioned them this morning. Uh, Andrew gets them ready for us every month. If you don't take one, take one. And from time to time, open, open it up and look to the left side. Those, those are missions, missionaries, mission works that we have a privilege of. Sending a little bit of money, not much, but a little bit of money as a church body to help support them. Other churches around the states help support those as well as well as multitudes of others. Brother Wilson, Sarah Pauli's name is mentioned here every Wednesday evening. He's a missionary in Hyderabad, India, a very impoverished area. Hinduism, of course, um, has great influence in India as well as other places uh, in that area. But Hyderabad, India... India is under the caste system. There are basically four levels to their society. They believe in reincarnation, and they believe whatever you were in the former life, that uh, who you're born, the family you're born into, has uh, whatever you were in your former life, that has bearing on who you are today. Four primary castes. Uh, One of the castes is the Brahmin or the priestly caste. Another is the warrior caste, and then there's the artesian caste. And the servant caste, and then there's another element to society that's lower than all of them and don't belong to any of the caste, and they're called the Dalits. Brother Sarah Pauly, he'll be here in just a few weeks, but when he was here last, you heard him right here behind this pulpit talk about how that he was part of the Dalits. His ministers to the Dalits, you know what another word for them are? Is. It's the untouchables. Nobody will eat with the untouchables. Nobody wants to live in the same community there beneath. They believe they lived in some previous life and reincarnated and born broken. And they've got to suffer through this walk of life. And I'm telling you, when Jesus touches this old boy, he's touching the untouchable. Touching the untouchable. Can you imagine the touch of Christ on this man's life? Brother Tommy Tillman's family is um, serving lepers in Thailand and other places around the world. Brother Tillman, many years ago, I heard about him in the early 90s. Second church I pastored had pastored Brother Tillman and did up until he came off the field. But Brother Tillman used to tell about when he first went uh, to the first leper colony he went to. His family's responsible for helping to build... um, Communities for their handicap, their needs, hospitals, small hospitals. Rooms and furnishings providing that. But he went there because God had birthed in his heart a desire to reach them. He was knocking on some of their rooms and trying to speak to them about Christ. He came to one man who he perceived to be very bitter and Told him who he was. He was from the States and God had sent him there to try to witness to him and win him to Christ and start a church among the people. Spoke to him about the love of Christ. And he said, I too, sir, love you. He said, love. He said, what do you know about love? The man had not felt the human touch in years. Lived a very lonely life. Brother Tillman said, if you love me, come on in. Sit down. Let's have a bite together. That was just a no-no. You just didn't do that. So he said, as he entered in, he said to the Lord, Lord, if you want me to have leprosy and die and win this one man that's good with me, I'm in your hands. He said he sat with the man, had something to sip on and just a little morsel of something to eat. He said when he got ready to leave, he put his hand on the man's shoulder and said, said Sir, can I pray with you before I go and I want to come back again and see you? said the man sobbed just sobbed. He had not felt the human touch in years. Do you know, if you were to take little Nelson right there and put him over somewhere, not touch his, not touch him, not touch his hand, not caress his face, not brush his hair, not handle him. If you were to take Cole and do him that way for six months, you know, it'd change their lives. Can you imagine nobody caring? Can you imagine being all alone? And yet here Jesus is, and he wasn't supposed to touch him according to ceremonial law back in those days. But Jesus wasn't interested in what man had come up with among themselves. And instead of him getting what the leper had, the leper got what he, what Jesus had that day. And thank God you can do that today. Jesus is moved to heal this man. I've got to hurry. You've been patient this morning. He's moved to help this hurting man. He heals this leper by the word of his power, by the power of his word. There are several of Christ's I wills in the Gospels, aren't there? There are at least eight that I'm aware of. One of them is found in Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We preached just a few weeks ago from Matthew 4, 19. He saith unto them, the four that is, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, follow me and I will. Make you fishers of me. And he said in John 14, he said, I will not leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you comfortless, fellas, when I go. And here the leper in verse number 12 says, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Jesus in verse 13 said, I will. It's done. Now, if that be true, and it is because it's in the Scripture, you know what that means? If he cleansed him, if he made him whole, you know what that means? That means those fingers that were gone are now present again. That means his hair that was lost, his eyebrows. It's all a part of his being now. That's why the fame of it spread, no doubt, right before their very eyes. The miracle, I've got to just touch this. There's the leprous man in our text, the movements of our Lord in the text, the miracle Jesus performs on behalf of this leprous man verse number 13 this healing and cleansing of this leprous man is brought about immediately he put forth his hand and touched him saying I will be thou clean the Bible says and immediately the leprosy departed from him immediately not eventual but immediate sudden healing full healing complete healing instant healing Leprosy was a dreaded disease. People would come to the place they would despise lepers in the community. Some even hated them and campaigned against them. And we understand that lepers come to the place they hated even themselves and their own lives. Repeated defeat is rough company, isn't it, for anybody. Leprosy was a a deadly disease as well. Slow, lonely death. Josephus even wrote that lepers were treated as if they were, in effect, dead men. Rabbis in Christ's day declared that the curing of a leper is as difficult as the raising of someone from the dead, and Jesus just did it. Verse number 14, the healing and cleansing of the leper's man brought responsibility as well. Verse number 14, he charged and tell no man. It's amazing how word would spread, though. And go and show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them and to the priest. They're going to deny him. Here's the evidence. He's healing and cleansing lepers, just like Isaiah said he would. Verses 15 and 16, the Bible says, But so much the more went their fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and be healed by him of their infirmities, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. He had to get away in order to pray. You know, the thing about it is, I've touched on this. There's been two or three messages in this Christ series where we've touched on the fact that it's not the Lord's will to heal everybody, and it's not, friend. From disease, that is. You're going to die, and I'm going to die. That's a fact of our lives. But it is His will to heal you from sin. It is His will to do that. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It is His will as a child of God that you move as far away from sin as you possibly can. Outside of Christ, we are wholly unclean, just like the man full of leprosy. Isaiah said it like this I'm almost done. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it. But wounds and bruises and putrefying sores, they have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Every religious move you can try to make outside of Christ, all you're doing is just trying to put a band-aid, taking a filthy rag and covering your own sin and sinful efforts. Again, Isaiah 64, 6 says, but we are all, it's an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we do all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. The Lord's call today is found in that same book of Isaiah. Isaiah 118, come now let us reason together. Saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. How many of us can testify? We wouldn't want to glorify sin, would we? Too much of that takes place in pulpits. We don't want to glorify sin. I, I'm i not near as interested in where you've been in life as I am in where you're headed. If you're headed to heaven, I'm interested in that. If you're headed toward hell, now I'm interested in that too. I'm not really interested in who you could beat up and whether or not you could dunk a ball or, hit it for 400 feet or all those things. That kind of thing can be a good thing, I suppose, at certain stages in life. But I am interested in where you're headed. Christ can forgive and change a life. He's done it in my life. He can do it in your life. What he did for the leper is a picture of what he wants to do, desires to do in someone's life. Even here today, he's changed my life. Changed my life years ago. Has he changed your life? Do you know Christ and the free pardon of sin? Fellows asked at a small gathering to get up and share what Christ had done for him. did so through brokenness. man heckled him from the small crowd and said, You're dreaming. You're dreaming. Sit down. You're dreaming. The man's daughter said, Sir, he's dreaming. Don't wake him up. I've got my daddy back now. Don't wake him. Don't wake him up. Oh, Ronald Roberts, they've seen people saved. They've grown. I'm telling you, out in Ellenboro, North Carolina, the man that just about owns the city. His wife, his children, his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren have prayed for him, called him by name in that church in Ellenboro, Drury, Dobbins Baptist Church. Ronald said, I tell you what, let's do. Let's pray. Let's pray every day. Let's covenant together to pray for him. He had his old Dodge pickup, trying to get some work on it down at the shop. He said he heard an old man out in the parking lot saying, "Preacher, preacher, 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 I need some help." He thought he'd fallen on the parking lot. He went out, and it was that gentleman. He ran up to him. He said, "He said, what's the matter? What's wrong?" He said, "Preacher, I'm lost. I need to be saved, preacher." I need to be saved. Tell me the gospel. Tell me how to be saved. I need to be saved. He said that old man got saved that day out there in the parking lot of that mechanic's parking lot. He said, you don't miss a thing. I'm going to tell you the Lord can do that for you. He can do it for you. Father, we thank you for our time together around your word. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you care and have compassion. I pray for some heart today that you'll touch and work. Only you can do that. So our plea, whereas this leprous man made his plea to you, though there was a crowd that day, he was interested in talking to you. I pray someone would cast himself upon thy mercy today. Father, help us in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with us, please?